Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the No Shame Podcast. I am your host, Soren. <clears throat> and there's been a, a bit of a delay because I've I've moved to a new place in Thailand and you know, moving and getting acclimated to the environment. Uh it's it's not the it's not always the easiest thing to do. Um for any of you who have live overseas or who are living overseas, um, you know it kind of you get you get used to you find you you move around and you find a base and that becomes your home. Your room is your home, home away from home. And I've probably in the last five years I I must have I must have moved seven or eight times. To different countries, and um, I've been in Thailand long enough where it's easier for me to move here. Kind of, I know how to make it easier, but it's always a big ordeal. So I've been kind of just getting settled in this new spot, this new location. I am living in a Muay Thai gym. Yeah. So how did that happen? <laughs> Well, to make a long story short, I my passion is Muay Thai, so my friend was living out in these parts, and he heard about this gym, he had a connection, and we got like a super good deal, cheap deal to stay here for three months, paid up front, and I pay, I mean, for the, for the Western listeners, this is going to sound ridiculous, I paid $1,000 for three months plus unlimited training at this place. I mean, that's, it's only because of COVID. There's no customers. Uh, but right now, that's just, that's the best thing I can do. That's the best deal. And, you know, fuck it. Like, hang out in Thailand until this COVID stuff blows over, which apparently... It looks as though it will, because apparently there is a vaccine in sight, and we are on our way to, you know, being somewhat COVID-free, I imagine, or it's something as like the flu, you know, it's seasonal and people get vaccines, and we can kind of continue as normal. Hopefully the world doesn't completely forget and you know at this point we're all more prepared and you know hospitals and medical world uh, is going to be probably much more prepared and vigilant and therefore hopefully create preventative measures for the future. Yeah, so I'm here, I'm living in a Muay Thai gym, and boy has the plot thickened. <laughs> and I can't even get into that many details <laughs> for simply, there's just too many moving parts of what I'm in right now. Uh, which I can't, I don't feel comfortable putting out on air, maybe later someday, but I'll put it to you guys like this. 
in a few years or when I'm older, I could write a book about this whole experience of who I'm with, where I am, the things that I'm discovering, and it's it's interesting. And I've I've talked about this before as I've chosen the path of instability for exploration and enhancing and widening my perception, my perspective. And it just continues to just kind of, the world continues to amaze me. And I feel very lucky to be able to be to experience these things in life where you kind of have to be a little bit crazy to even find them. And <laughs> at this point in my life, it's, it's just sort of all clicking. And I'm meeting people who are kind of equally as eccentric as I am. Now, one thing that I've always struggled with is alcohol. I I don't I don't drink in the same way that other people drink. Like I I I once I start it's hard for me to stop and alcohol has almost never been my friend. It's it's always gotten me into trouble. And when I drink, I have a hangover for like 2 or 3 days, but it's not a hangover like other people have hangovers. I've noticed most people bounce back within a day, you know, maybe maybe one, maybe two, but I get like debilitating depression for two or three days. Like I can't get out of bed, I can't talk to anyone, and it's just I just have to wait till it passes, and that's just how my brain reacts to it. And when I drink, I get like super kind of energetic and fun and like kind of loose and friendly <clears throat> but also sometimes getting into fights you know nearly so i'm kind of a loose cannon when it comes to alcohol and it's, it brings out the jekyll and hyde in me and i i just i don't want to do it anymore you know i don't need it There's a certain there's something there's some unhappiness inside of me which like I know I shouldn't drink uh but there's something like that makes me I'm not content enough where I'm or love myself enough where I have the self-control to just say like I'm not going to do this thing that harms my body uh you know and the other thing is it's just expensive. People don't realize how expensive alcohol is. It's it's really expensive. And the amount of money you could the amount of things you could buy, you know, in saving your money on alcohol and just doing something else with it is it's really amazing. So I've been training Muay Thai. The body's been pretty tired. Um, but I'm getting this really good training, and I've 
I've I got two years under my belt, and I, I kind of felt stuck. I felt that I'm not improving, um, and the, the trainers were sort of lazy and not giving me, me what I needed. And I felt like I kind of didn't have the confidence that I needed to continue. So I stopped for a while, and I was just focusing on boxing with a special trainer. And he helped me a lot with my boxing. Uh, and then I, was, I stopped the Muay Thai, and I was teaching English. I got a job, and I, I mostly got this job for the visa. But that all fell through, as I told you in the last podcast, I think. And so coming here, I kind of like decided to give it another crack. And I noticed that here the training was just totally different. <clears throat> and uh, I made a connection with both of the trainers, and they're sort of invested in helping me. Uh, so I, it, the, the main thing is I, I feel like I've regained my, my confidence that I can do this, you know, and that's a big part of anything, teaching or training, um, with, specifically with a sport and something so kind of uh, challenging as martial arts is you need to feel motivated, you need to feel like someone's helping you and, you know, believes in you. And I, I just didn't get that from my other camp. But I'm getting, like, I'm kind of relearning some things in the, the technique and the style because my trainer is kind of a different style, very kind of uh, like a clever fighter. It's kind of like a Sanchai style, and I like that. works for me. So I've been doing this training, and uh, I live at this gym, and... Without saying too much information, I will say the owner of my gym is a very special man. <laughs> very special. And the connections he has and the things that he's been through have would make your jaw drop. And it's quite the experience. And I'm here with my friend, and our friendship is going really well. I'm starting to work with him, and I'm at this gym with this kind of amazing figure, his family, and also the trainers live here with six Alaskan Huskies, and it's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> and all of this is sort of the next chapter. And I had no idea that this would happen. I, I didn't really expect it. I was actually planning to go back to the U.S. because my options were just running out. out. I, ha I was forced to quit my job. I didn't have a visa. And I still don't actually have a stream of income. Uh, and I'm kind of just bumming it until I get some money coming in from with my friend's business. But as it stands, wintertime in the U.S., the second wave is coming. So it's really not, not a good time to, to do anything, to go anywhere. And there's, we're, I'm really, COVID is, Thailand is just, there's just zero COVID here. 
I mean, everyone's still masked up, and you know, you still have to be careful. Uh, but there's just no COVID, and it just, I, you know, I talk to my family, I talk to my friends back home, and it just seems like it's just so stressful, and just you know, every everyone you meet probably has COVID, and you shake hands, and just you know, it's a disaster. And uh, I'm hoping that with Trump getting out of out out of office, we'll kind of like. America will ease back into some sense of normalcy. That's that's what I think is going to happen. But we'll see. It's it's a very divided country right now, <clears throat> and you know, the the side that was with Trump is they're they're not just going to go away. Like, and I think it's also important for Democrats and liberals to do some. Like okay, we we got him out. The goal was achieved. Now, like, let, let's really be real. Like, this party is you have failed the people for the last, you know, twelve years. And I just watched a video from Cornell West where he was talking about when Obama was elected, people just went to sleep because it was like okay, a great thing, a black man is in office. This is a beautiful step for civil rights, for sure. But, you know, no one was paying attention to the drones and the wars he was continuing uh, in the Middle East. And, you know, a lot of scandalous stuff happening. And, you know, uh, we we need, as people, we need to come together and... We need to step it up and start demanding that, you know, some, somehow we have to create a system where we put someone in office that really represents us. I was really excited about Andrew Yang. I really like him. And I hope he can become president because he's a problem solver and he's really smart and he knows what America needs. And I think... He has the energy and the passion and compassion, and that's what we need. And I, I, I really don't, I, you know, I can sit here all day and talk about how, how fucked up things are, but I, I don't know why, <clears throat> I don't see the purpose of just, can, just complaining and, you know, like fighting within the system to change it. We have to just kind of like, start a new system. That's that's what I believe. This is not a political show though. This is that's that's not our main concern. <laughs> so I think you know ideally in an ideal world, my dream is where I can kind of be in a situation where I have multiple streams of income and I can live six months out of the year in the U.S. and six months somewhere else in Asia or South America and have two bases in both places. And one thing about this move that has really 
been paramount is I'm reminded of the importance of Sangha. What do I mean by Sangha? A Sangha is a Buddhist term which I learned when I was studying with Thich Nhat Hanh. And it's basically the community, the Buddhist community. So, you know, Sangha can include the monks, nuns, and lay people, and everyone is like a community based and helping each other and, you know, creating support groups. So, having like meditation sessions where you talk and you meet and you check in with people, you know, like, like good friends, but it's more, it's kind of like deeper than that. And what I'm realizing now is a lot of success in life is about like the connections that you make with people. Maintaining these connections based on genuine care and compassion and this is something I sort of have always maybe taken for granted or sac- sacrificed is I've, I have this like hunger for truth and clarity and I'm willing to do anything to like put myself in these situations where I, I challenge myself like becoming a monk and traveling the world but that doesn't necessarily mean I've been careful with my, the people in my life. I'm good at running away. I'm good at just like moving to a new place. And I, I don't have fear for that. It's not, I can, I'm good at that. And that's one skill, you know. But I'm not so good at staying stable and making these deep connections where people remember you and, you know, you develop partnerships and programs with people through this way, like networking. And this is what I'm realizing now. I'm 33 years old and I'm realizing this is a big part of at least what I want to do, you know, build community and have like communal living type situations where we're like sharing ideas and, you know, it's all kind of fitting together somehow, some way. Um, and this requires like the right people, you know, and it's not that hard to build the world that you want in this life, but sometimes it's difficult to really know what you want, and there's an element of risk or in the the unknown in what we do, but once you start to see what you don't want, I think what you want becomes more clear. Like it's already kind of usually in front of you or around you, but you think it's like some something that you can't achieve or something that isn't possible for whatever reason. We create uh, the imposter syndrome, like we're not good enough. 
and a lot of times we get stuck in like the mo that we get we're just going through the motions you have a job you don't like it but it's comfortable you're making money and i just suggest you know if if you're single obviously if you have kids or responsibilities people you have to pay for it's not as easy and that's another trap but if you're single and you're kind of unhappy and you're stuck why not take a risk why not just pick your pick up and go i'm good at this part i'm i'm a pick up and go kind of guy been doing it since i was 18 you know as soon as i got out of my parents house i was just gone like go to this place go to this place you know but it's it's coming to a point where i feel you know i can't just travel the world forever i could though and that would be a beautiful life you know it's it's that's what i'm saying is it really we don't know what we want and sometimes we see other people doing it like i just saw this there's this whole like community of people who have these i think it's called overlanding they have tents on their car and you can just inflate it and boom you have a tent you have a ladder you can drive across the country camp easy it's such a cool thing and there's a lot of people living out of their vans now and just i have two friends uh and they they're just i think they they have some online business and they work from their computers and they travel across the US in this like small van that they've bought and it's just it's such a cool life you know it's and these things are all possible but it just depends on kind of narrowing down what you want and not getting caught in the traps the traps speaking of traps i went to a local market in thailand here in thailand and you have to understand in the kind of buddhism in thailand is actually more like hinduism of what we know as hinduism there's kind of a lot of like superstition and folklore which is actually connected to hinduism in this this region of the world uh and buddhism is kind of a, a connected to hinduism it's a rejection of it in fact the buddha rejected hindu ideas of self and of god of course and even inequality buddhism was revolutionary because it was it clearly stated that there is no more caste system inside the buddhist sangha that everyone is equal but because of the way the culture is in this part of the world it's related to india and it there is this kind of like cla- class hierarchy um that is can be found in the uh, 
religion as well. But what I'm saying is, so like, for example, I would say 99% of Thai people would like seriously believe in ghosts. And kind of like they believe in fortune telling. Now in America, that seems ridiculous, but they do. And so here's what I did. I've always wanted to try it because I know it's a scam, you know. So I did it. I paid for it. I was like, I want to get my fortune told. It's like such bullshit. This lady's like has her cards, and I'm with my friend, and she 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 tells my my fortune, and then she asks like, it's such bullshit. She asked me like general questions like, oh, I see something. Have you lost someone before? And I'm like, yeah. Like, who hasn't lost someone? You know, like you haven't had a family member die or a friend die or someone you know that you cared about died. Really, that's such a general blanket thing to ask that applies to everyone. And so, as I as I knew, what she did was she used very she used generalizations based on basic human psychology, human nature. Very easy, maybe not for ever everyone, but I could see she's you know she's a kind of like a she, she's like me. She can see into people, and that's why these fortune tellers that's what they do. They're just kind of like scam psychologists. And I told her, "Well, let me do you." I said, "Like I was a monk, I can read people, I can read minds." <laughs> They just laughed, and I'm like, "No, I'm serious. Give me the cards." <laughs> She gave me the cards, and you know the cards didn't matter. I was gonna read her. They were like, "What are you doing with the cards?" I picked like uh, whatever you're supposed to do. I picked three. I said, "This is the present, the past, present, and future card," and I'd pick one. And for me, it didn't matter what it said, you know, or what it showed. I'm just gonna make something up. But I wasn't making things up. I was just. Reading her eyes, her body language, everything, taking it all in, and I would give her, her her prediction about past, present, future, and my friend and her were like genuinely, like wow, and she she started crying, I even made her cry, because she felt like I could see into her, and I I, I said something about. I forgot exactly what I said, but it was on the lines of like, it was just it applicable to everyone. <laughs> but of course, the way I structured what I said makes her feel like it's specific to her. And I just, in a way, I showed my friend that I can do it. Anyone can do it. It's a scam. But there's also some. I, I get that there's some like wisdom to what she's doing. Just as someone comes to a monastery and talks to a monk, they also do like kind of. Uh, uh, they read minds, you know, just like a psychologist. And the thing about someone who's been meditating all day is their. They're tapped into more frequencies, so they're seeing more about your demeanor 
than the average person. And so it's like, you know, you might meet someone and you sense that they're anxious or that they're a little bit depressed. But usually when someone's been meditating for a long period of time, they can see they're like really in tune with that kind of thing. And they can kind of just... The best way I can describe it is like you just... It's like a, you remove some of the cobwebs from your perception and then you can just see a little bit further in than normal. And I mean, I've known monks and not even, they don't have to be monks, just like serious meditators who have meditated for a long time and like legit, it seems like they can read my mind. They can read minds. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly what you would call telepathic, but there's just like aspects of seeing that you don't normally see. Uh, it's like, you know, <clears throat> it's it's like it's like they're tripping on LSD or mushrooms without tripping on it. You know, so anyone who has done that before, you know, it's not like you're not having Ill- delusions. You're just seeing into a part of your brain that normally you don't access. And meditation can help people do that. Yeah, so... I went to this market and fortune teller lady was amazed by my reverse psychology. So, actually, uh, yeah, I've just been kind of at this gym and trying to refocus, re-examine what I, what I want and really think about that. And, you know, in the process of that is just part of what I want is to have more more power over myself, more care, like that I'm not gonna fuck up by like drinking or just doing things that I don't wanna do. And a lot of times in life we, we're not in control. And that's what creates a lot of anxiety and depression is that we're living a life where we're not in control. Most of us are working at a job where we're not in control. We're the worker, we're being told what to do. And you have to show up every day and do it. Of course that makes you not feel good. (laughs) But most of us are not even in control of our own mind. And that fucks us up. Like I can't even control my emotions I let my partner ruin my day I let them ruin my life I can't stop myself from doing this drug drinking 
whatever it is. You know, most of us are not in control. And I'm not saying that the key, like discipline is important. That's what I've learned from Buddhism and martial arts is when you, discipline is about like finding the happiness in repeating the process. So when I was super into meditation, I would just, I would meditate partly because I know it helped me, but I loved it. And I loved it because I know it helped me. And with my training, it's like, sometimes I'm tired, but I just continue doing it because I love getting better at it. I love the way it makes me feel. And so just continuing to do, to crack at it. And I don't know, I just feel this, maybe I'm coming into my own myself and kind of just being like, okay, this is who you are, Soren. This isn't who you want to be. It's, it's, I still have some of this like lingering teen angst where I'm still kind of like, am I this, this like rapping guy? You know, like I have this like image of myself that I kind of always cling, clung to. That I, how I want to be, but it's not who I am. It was based on feeling insecure and, you know, wanting to be accepted. And I still have some of that. And I think I'm starting to let that go. I guess this is just maturity, right? But this is just where I am. And... Recently, I've been thinking, you know, it's also another way of is saying it is like how to just be. I really like podcasting because, first of all, I don't have to stare at a screen or something. And it's just, it's a, it's a way to make sure there's no way to be inauthentic. You know, you're just talking. It's radio. It's not just like posting a picture or video with a bunch of filters and editing it and writing the nicest thing, you know, it's kind of like showing off to people of, you know, your life. And I guess that's what social media is. But I like podcasting because it's just a different way to really uh, get your message across. (laughs) It would be cool to, to just have this podcast blow up And I can really focus on, if I can make some money from this, then I can really focus on helping other people. Because I know 100%, you know, I I studied social work. I never valued, I never considered money. Like, it was never my objective. But now, it's like I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm not opposed to making money, because that will allow me to do more cool things to help other people. So in my ideal world, I have enough money to be comfortable uh, and I have enough money to be comfortable enough to like give. And I know for sure, I can't say for sure, but I, I, I believe 
that I, I understand this about life enough where I won't be blinded by having too much money. I'll really enjoy it, and I will always probably I'm always probably a minimalist by nature. And I'm going to stop the podcast here because I need to go figure some things out. So until next time, thank you for listening.